away the sin that promised joy and life and led me to the grave. I had no hope that you would own a rebel to your will. And if you had not loved me first, I would refuse you still. But as I ran my hell-bound race, indifferent to the cost, you looked upon my helpless state and led me to the cross. And I beheld God's love displayed, you suffered in my place. For the wrath reserved for me, now all I know is grace. Hallelujah! All I have is Christ. Hallelujah! Jesus is. Welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church. My name is Isaiah Hawks. I'm the children and preschool pastor here. So if you're visiting, uh, I'm not the senior pastor, but uh, I'm very blessed and thankful that uh, I get this opportunity to share God's word with you and with everyone who uh, is tuned in. Now, I know and I recognize that I'm standing here in an empty room 
And as I prepared for today's sermon, I kind of thought that that may be the case. And so, in a lot of ways, today's sermon is going to be, in one way, preaching to myself, but in another way, I'm literally going to be preaching to myself because uh, what we're going to be dealing with is just as important for me as it is for, I, you know, I thank you. And so what we're going to be looking at and dealing with today is, is this idea of Jesus' power pulls us through. And hopefully we'll spend some time to even get a little bit deeper into talking about how, how what, we, what we go through actually is what teaches us. And so the reason why we're doing uh, Jesus' power pulls us through is because this, this coming week, some of the kids in, in our church and, and even in our community are going to be going through a VBS curriculum. It's going to be a little bit different than what we've done in the past, but, but hopefully, and I, I do pray that, that they, will, they will get the same message and, and, and be able to grow in God's Word maybe a little bit more uh, this week. And so, so I'm excited for that. And uh, just before we get started and, and really dive in, I want to just open up in a word of prayer, if that's all right. So let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this day and Thank you for this opportunity that you've given us to open your word, even if that is virtually. And even, even though I'm pre-recording this and, and sending it out later on, Lord, uh, may, this, may, may this have effect whenever people are watching it. Lord, just give me the, uh, the ability to speak clearly and to convey your message as it was intended. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Now, one of the things that I love and that I've shared with, with many of you is my, my, my past in, in uh, camp ministry. That's, a, that's something that I hold very dear to my heart and something that I would encourage anybody, if you have the opportunity to, to, to actually spend a summer really investing in, in just investing of your time to camp, uh, getting on a staff and, and serving that way. It's, it's unlike any other, any other thing that I've experienced, being able to work side by side with people that, that are with the same mind and the common goal of, of bringing the good news of the gospel to, to people on a weekly basis. It's, it's really amazing. And one of the things that I really like about it is the fact that we kind of built this level of camaraderie and and we were able to kind of like have these running jokes and inside jokes through through each summer and uh one year we actually wrote up all of the jokes that we had uh on the on on a board in the the staff cabin and we could just sit there and look at them and and just kind of roll over all the fond memories that we had and one of the one of the phrases there uh, that was up on the wall, and it probably isn't very funny to y'all, but it just said, teachable moments. And I know what you're thinking, that, that, that doesn't sound very funny, but, but yet there were a lot of memories and things tied to it uh, that, that really meant a lot to us. And the reason why is because the director of the camp, whenever we did something that we weren't supposed to do or did something stupid, uh, he would come up alongside of us and use it as an opportunity for a teachable moment. And I had a lot of these. And for example, uh, there was one time where uh, he came up to me, the director, and he put his arm around me and he said, Isaiah, do you know where your keys are? 
And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know where my keys are. They're, they're over in my, my cabin, you know, sitting beside my bed or something like that. And by the time I was explaining that to him, he was pulling the keys out of his pocket and he was, he was handing them to me. And, and he, he said, well, you want to know where I found them? And I said, yeah, sure, where, where were they? He, they were in the John Deere Gator that, that, that the camp had. And if you're not familiar with a John Deere Gator, it's an all-terrain vehicle. You could throw things in the back. And the reason why I know it was an all-terrain vehicle is because I tried it literally on all-terrain, uphill, downhill, in the woods, out of the woods, in snow, all, all of that stuff. I, I, I've tried it. And uh, it's a huge liability if, if a camper were to get those keys and start up that, that engine. Well, I had left it directly in that car, and, and so he came alongside, and he was using it as an opportunity for a teachable moment. Another time was I was in a gator, once again, going down a hill, and there was someone in front of me. I'm not going to say we were racing, but I'm just going to say this. I was losing, and so uh, I, we were both going down the hill at, at high speeds, and the director came around the, around the corner, and we didn't, I didn't see it at least, and the person in front of me did and slammed on the brakes, and I go full force into the back of, of the person in front of me. Whiplash was literally, like, it was everywhere. And so, uh, <laughs> so I, I then, as, as you can imagine, had a teachable moment. Stepped out of the vehicle, and he came alongside and said, well, Isaiah, this is a great opportunity of, of why you can see why we don't race the, the gators. I'll tell you one more story. Uh, it involves a gator once again, and I know what you're thinking now. You're probably thinking, Isaiah, you don't need to be in a gator, and you're probably right. But I wasn't driving this time. We were going down the hill, down the mountain, to the, to the base of the mountain. I was sitting in the back, kind of my feet were like this. Uh, the, the, one of my buddies who was driving, he was here, and the, the other, my other buddy he was in the passenger seat. And I just remember I was sitting, kind of had my slushy. I, I had some slushy in my hand, and I was just kind of sipping. We were going down the, down the mountain. And the guy driving kind of, you know, puts his arm there, turns around and says, hey, do you like donuts? And in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, sure, Krispy Kreme, Dunkin' Donuts. I, lo- I love donuts. And so I said, yeah, I love donuts. And I didn't realize what he meant. And so right then and there, he, he whips to one side of the road. I mean, we go all the way to one side of the road. We go back over to the other side of the road, off the road, into the grass, and then, you know, fishtail in, in the grass. And so where I was sitting this way, well, all of a sudden, I'm facing <laughs> down the mountain, you know, slushy in hand, just kind of chilling, getting, getting to see the whole, you know, the whole thing. Well, I mean, I, like, literally, in my mind, I'm thinking, I just asked for a donut. I don't know what's going on. Well, we continued to turn, and all the way till the asphalt to the pavement, and for some reason, I don't know, the gator just doesn't slide as well on the pavement as it does in the grass, and so that whole gator just starts flipping over, and and I go from a seated position, and I start standing up, and I'm like, wow, I could see everything from here. I see my life flashing before my eyes. And, and, I, and you know, then I start to look down. I'm like, well, I don't want to go that way. So I, 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 make a, I make a turn in the gator, and it flips over on top of me, and it, 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 
it bruises me up, cuts me up, tears my shirt, my pants, all that stuff. And then I'm laying there under the gator with the, with the gator on, on top of me. And so my, my buddies run over, they flip it back over, and I, I stand up and I, I look back and I, I see what's going on. And I, I mean, you're not going to believe this, but I didn't spill my slushy. <laughs> And the only reason I remember that is because I was standing there and I looked at the gator and I just kind of took a sip, but like not even thinking, I took a sip and I was like, oh, oh, cool, I've got slushy left over. Anyways, we we couldn't really hide what had happened. I mean, obviously I was all cut up and the gator was all dented up and, and, and cut up as well. And so we went back up the mountain and saw the director and... And obviously, we, we had another teachable moment. And I, 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 I'm telling that story, and I'm telling all of those stories, just to kind of show you this, this, this point, make this point, that, that no matter what, no matter how small, whether it's something as small as leaving your keys somewhere, something as, as large and as dumb and life-threatening as, as putting yourself in a situation where your life is literally at risk, at each stage, there are times and opportunities for us to learn. And so, um, that's really the mindset that I want us to have as we move into this, this book of Philippians, as we look at the book of Philippians. And so, tell you what, I've already told you that we're in Philippians chapter 4. Well, Philippians chapter 4, go down to verse 10, and it says this, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Now at length, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to, be, how to abound. In, every, in any and every circumstance... I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. And that last verse is actually the the theme verse for the week of VBS. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. And so what I want to do with our time today in looking at this, this passage is, is I, want, I want to approach it a little bit different. Instead of just going verse by verse and looking at how, the, how, how Paul lays this, this, this part of the, the, the letter out, I want, to, I want to instead spend some time talking about this church at Philippi. Because if you're like me, I have a really, really hard time differentiating, distinguishing the different churches that I read about in the Bible. I mean, I, like I have a hard time remembering, oh yeah, that was, the, that was a good church, that was a good church. Or, or remembering, oh, that, that church was good, but it did this bad thing. Or, uh, and, or just the church was bad in general at, at a whole. And so I, I have a hard time kind of separating those. And so I thought it would be beneficial for us today to maybe just spend some time looking at this church at Philippi. Because, believe it or not, the church at Philippi actually shares a lot in common with us today. And so, uh, so let's do that. Let's go uh, turn in your Bibles back to uh, the book of Acts. The book of Acts. And if, if you know anything about the book of Acts, you'll know 
that the book of Acts is simply the story of how the gospel message made it from Jerusalem all the way to Rome. See, it starts with, with Jesus ascending into heaven, and then, and then it continues on all the way through, making sure that it, that it hits every detail of how that message made it through the apostles and to Rome. That's the big push for the book. And so we actually get to see the different stops and the different places that, that Paul visited. And so in, in Acts chapter 16, we get to see where he visits Macedonia. And more specifically, he visits Philippi. And so let's, let's begin reading Acts chapter 16 and verse 11. And so it says this, So setting sail from Taurus, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we'll stop right there. A Roman colony. That, that little tidbit of information actually shows us a lot of the history that was, that was involved in the church at Philippi. See, by saying it's a Roman colony, what, what Paul, is, what Paul is, is indicating and showing us is that, is that this, this piece of land in Macedonia, there were Roman citizens living there. And if you were to live in Philippi during the time of, of Paul's journey, you would actually have Roman citizenship. See, a man by the name of Octavian came in and, and he actually dispersed a lot of the members, uh, a lot of the people in Rome, and they had to then colonize in Macedonia. And so they made the trek from, from Rome all the way to Macedonia, which is where Philippi is. And so the first thing that we get to see about this church is that they are politically influenced. They, and, and this is something that they actually have to stay on guard about. They have to make sure that they, they do not become influenced in their, in their citizenship. Because it would be very easy for them to hold on to their Roman citizenship and, and forget their heavenly citizenship. In fact, in, in, the, in the book of Philippians, in the letter that Paul writes to the Philippians, he says that in chapter 3, verse 20, he says, your citizenship is in heaven. He understands that there's this pull for the, for the church at Philippi to, to kind of sit on their citizenship and, and, and to really see that as their source of power and, and their source of, of, of security. And you know, I, I can't help but think how similar that sounds to us today. You know, I don't, I don't get on Facebook much, but I, but I often hear that there are you know, political arguments between Christians that, that take place there. And, 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 and we, as American citizens, have the, the pull to sit on political lines and to, to stand on, on the things that have really built up our country and made it to what it is today. See, we have, we have the tendency, just like the church at Philippi, to, to rest in our government, to rest in our citizenship. 
And so when we read in, in, in chapter 3, verse 20 of Philippians, when we read that, we, we hold on to that maybe a little bit as well, that you know what? Our citizenship is in heaven. And so, and so that's the very first thing that we get to see about this church at Philippi, is that they were politically influenced. And so let's keep reading. Let's, let's keep looking to see what else is, what else is here. So we'll start in, in verse 12 of, of Acts chapter 16, and it says, and, uh, excuse me, in 13, And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place to pray. And we sat down and spoke to the woman, to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul, and after, some, and after she was baptized and her household, hold on to that phrase, and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay, and she prevailed upon us. So, secondly, we see this lady, Lydia. So we, we we've already seen the the political influence. Well, now we now we really focus in on this one member. Now there were other women at the river that day, but Paul focuses in on this this one member. And and quite frankly, the the beginning ripple effect of the church at, at, at Philippi, starting with, with Lydia as we see here. And, and, and what we see when we look at this, this, this passage, when we look at the story of Lydia and her conversion, we get to see her heart. We get to see that she opens up her home. She's hospitable and she's relationally driven. She, she invites Paul and, and, and she invites Silas to come into her home and stay with, with her because that's just how she was. And so when we, when we look at Lydia, we start to see maybe this is the, 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 the community of, of people that is in the church at Philippi. And so we, we, can, we can see from Lydia that, that these people were relationally driven. They were willing to open their homes and open their, open their lives up to people to come in. And so that's the second thing that we see about the, about the church in, Philippi, uh, in Philippi. And if you keep reading, if you keep reading in this, in this chapter, in, uh, chapter 16 of Acts, you, you begin to find a, a, very, common, a very common story that we, we read in, uh, in the preschool sometimes. Paul and Silas, they, they continue to go to this river to pray. Well, one day they pass this girl who is demon-possessed, and, and, this, and this man is making money off of the fact that she is demon-possessed. Well, they want to put a stop to it. And so, by the power of Jesus, they call this demon out, and, and the man who was making money off of her didn't like that. He gets, he gets law enforcement involved and, and pulls Paul and Silas into prison, and it's not a prison that we would think of today. It's a it's a prison where they're thrown down into a pit. It's very dark. They've got shackles on their, on their wrists and on their ankles. 
And this is where the story starts to sound familiar. They, they sing praises to God. And so, they, as they sing praises to God, the, 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 the prison shakes and the doors fly open and, the, and, the, and the, the, the things that were holding them back, they break. Well, a guard comes in, sees everything in, in disarray and, and thinks the worst and he begins to think that there is no way that he is going to get out of this situation. So he grabs a sword and gets ready to run himself through and yet Paul and Silas, they speak up. And they say that, that they are still here. And then if you'll look, if you'll look down in, in verse 31, you'll get to see the interaction with this, with this guard. Verse 31. And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. You and your household. That phrase that I told you to hold on to earlier. You and your household. And He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And He was baptized at once. He and all His family. Then He brought them up into the house and set food before them. And He rejoiced along his entire household that he had believed in God. And so we begin to see that hospitality again. We begin to see that relational, uh, that, that relational drive. But that phrase that I told you to hold on to, that his, him and his household, and, and how Lydia, her and her household, we, we begin to see that this isn't just a, the two conversions that take place. This is, these are families, family units that, that have turned from their sin and have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and, and converted their entire lives over to this message that Paul and Silas were willing to go to jail for. And so, so what we begin to see now from, from the story of Lydia and from now this story of, of the jailer, we get to see that, the, that this church, this church at Philippi, was a multi-generational church. I think that's a catchphrase that we use sometimes around, around here, multi-generational. And, and so we get to, we get to see that, that it's, it's kids and it's, it's parents and it's, it's all working together to worship and to bring glory to God. And so that is another makeup of, of this church in, uh, in, in Philippi. But that's not it. Let, let's, let's go back to the verses that we were looking at in, the, in, in Philippians. Let's go back to Philippians 4. And we're actually going to go down before we go back up to where we were because, because I want to point something out here that, that Paul lets us know about this church in Philippians. In verse 14 of chapter 4, it says, "...yet it was kind of you to share my trouble." He's referring back to the second missionary journey when he was in Macedonia. When they, when they really shared in his, his trouble. And you, Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the Gospel, when he was in Macedonia, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with, with me in giving and receiving except you only. 
That's coming straight from the mouth of Paul. He's, he's commending them on something that they did in the past. Back when he was in Macedonia on his second missionary journey, he, he's, he's thinking of Lydia and he's thinking of this prison guard and he's saying, you know what? You were the only people that really helped me on my Gospel message journey. You helped me get the Gospel from Jerusalem to Rome You and you only. No one else. No other church that we reached out to in that surrounding area helped us out. It was only you is what he's saying. And so then what do we see here? We see that the church in in Philippi was a mission-minded church. They cared deeply about where the Gospel went and how the Gospel got there. They cared so deeply about that. And so they helped out Paul. Last thing that I want to point out with, with the church at Philippi, and you'll see, you'll see why I, I wanted to spend so much time on, on this in just a second. We go back up to verse 10 where we first started. And it says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. We'll stop there. To understand what he's referring to, you have to understand the context by which Paul is, is writing this letter. He's in prison. He is, he is writing this letter he is, as he's imprisoned in Rome. Because the church at Philippi has sent him gifts. They've sent a man to come and bring gifts to Paul because you know what? They cared about him. And Paul cared about them and Paul cared about them as well. And so he says, he says, you revived your concern for me. And he, and he talks about how he knew that they were concerned for him, but they had no opportunity. Well, this was the opportunity. Paul always knew they cared about him. And as soon as there was a chance for them to show that they cared, they did. They stepped in. And they, and they sent gifts and they sent things to encourage him as he was in prison. And so what we see from this, the church at Philippi, the church at Philippi was abundantly generous. Every opportunity that would come up where they could, they could help out someone and care for someone, they did. And just in, in, in these five things, let me just read them off one more time just to, to get, a, get them stuck in our mind. First of all, they were politically influenced. Secondly, they were relationally driven. Thirdly, they were multi-generational. Fourth, they were mission-minded. And fifth, they were abundantly generous. And the reason why I want to focus in on those things is because that sounds like us. That sounds like you and me. That sounds like Ebenezer Baptist Church. We are politically influenced. We are. We're, we are in a place where we can very easily rest in our political influence. We're relationally driven. I, I've felt that ever since I got here. And, and 
both Tori and I both have, have, have loved how much you love us and care about us and, and have been so welcoming. And, and so I, I see that here. I see that you're, you're obviously multi-generational. You, you're, you've, you've allowed me to come and serve alongside of families and kids. And, and, and I get to see that personally and I'm so thankful for it. You know, and, and it, you're mission-minded. There, there are people, specific people that come into my mind when I, when I think about missions because I know that there are people in this church who really, truly care about the furthering of the gospel. And then lastly, I, I, I see just the abundance of generosity that's shown on a week-to-week basis. It's, it's, it's really an amazing thing to be a part of Ebenezer Baptist Church. And so uh, I, I go through that because I see that in you. And so just simply by a form of application, I really just want to say, keep it up. I, I, I really do think that, that Ebenezer Baptist Church is a strong church and has some, some, some very, very strong qualities. And, and yes, we, we do have things that we have to stand against. But I want to just encourage you to keep it up. And, and even just think, thinking about people in this, this congregation who do that, why don't you reach out to them and encourage them and say, you know what, you remind me of someone who is abundantly generous. And, and, and take that and share that with them. Because we will only grow stronger if we do that. So that's why I wanted to just kind of sit, sit in and, and, and talk about this church at, uh, at Philippi. And I hope that, that that helps you kind of see the connection. And, and, and maybe it's not just this off-floating church that happened in, in Bible times, but it's a real it, it was a real church that had real things that were going on much like today. So I hope, hopefully that was an encouragement to you. But let's continue. Because now, now I want us to look and, and see Paul's perspective. Now like I said, Paul is in prison at this time. And we can very easily just sit on that and think, man, it would stink to be in prison. Yes, it would stink to be in prison, obviously. But, but Paul actually writes down in, in, in different way. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't sit there and say, yeah, prison's the worst. I, you know, this happened the other day and this happened the other day. No, he, he, he addresses it in a different way when he's talking about prison and he, when he's talking about his situation. Because honestly, there's two, in my opinion, there's two ways in which, uh, in which we can want to gain information about, about a, a situation that happens. First of all, I mean, the, the first way that we could do that is, is through curiosity. This would be if you were sitting down watching the news and something happened on the news. You could, I mean, you want to know when it happened, where it happened, what happened during this, this situation. And that's, that's from a place of curiosity. And, the, and, and then there's the other way. And that's a place of care. And this is when someone you know is going through something very serious. Maybe marital issues. Maybe an, a, a wayward son or, or daughter. Um, I mean, the, the, these situations, you, you wouldn't want to come up and just ask questions out of curiosity. You'd, you'd want to come up and ask questions out of care. And so, and so that's what's going on here. You would, 
just how we would want to know uh, what, would, what, what happens in a, in a situation that's personal to us. Uh, we would enter that in, in care. Paul recognizes this because he knows that the church at Philippi cares for him. And so he addresses the things that he has encountered from a place of care. He lets them know what's going on inside of his mind and what, what's going on inside of his heart during this time. And so I want to point out a few, a few instances where this happens. And, and so first of all, in, in, in Philippians chapter 1, if you, if you want to just turn a couple pages back, we see, we see in, in verse 12 and 13, we begin to see what's, where his mind is at. I want you to know, brothers, this is what he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that what has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest, that my imprisonment is for Christ. Where's his mindset? Right then and there we get to see that his mindset, though he is in a very, very bad situation, his mindset is on the gospel. It's gospel-centered. Keep reading on, and you'll, you'll, you'll see this struggle that Paul goes through, and he's, and he's wrestling back and forth with this idea of life and death. And he, he wrestles with this idea that, that, well, if I do die, I get to be in heaven, but if I live, then I get to serve Christ and make His, his gospel message known even further. And so he has this inward turmoil, turmoil that he's going through as he... As he, as he writes down this, this message, as he writes down what's going on in his mind, he's got this inner tor- turmoil. So he starts off by talking about the gospel, but then he continues and he, he wrestles with this. And then, and then he says this, that even though he doesn't know the answer of the, of, to the turmoil that he feels, he says this, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So what do we see there? We see that his, that his perspective in this situation is kingdom-focused. First of all, we had gospel-centered, and now we have kingdom-focused. He's looking ahead. He, he knows what's happening now, but he's looking ahead. Lastly, let's, let's go back to, to where, where we were looking at today. Starting in chapter four, verse eleven. Now that I'm speaking of not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned. Hold on to that. I have learned, in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him. Who gives me strength? So what do we hear in his voice? He, he, he lays out, you know what? I, I've been where I've had a lot. And I've been where I've had nothing. And in both situations, I was able to be content. What Paul is displaying here is that he's completely satisfied. Even in prison. 
He's completely satisfied. And so as I'm thinking about the mindset of Paul, I, I, I kind of have to think about myself. I, I, like I said, I'm preaching to myself. The mindset of Paul is gospel-centered. It's kingdom-focused. And it's, it's completely satisfied. And so I, I, I wonder... Would my mind be like that? Would I think like that if I was in that situation? I don't know. But what I can say is that there is a phrase that Paul uses twice here in these, in these few verses. First of all, he, he says in, in 11, he says, I have learned... And then in verse 12, towards the end, he says again, I have learned. And so what do we see here? We see that Paul has learned how to be gospel-centered, kingdom-focused, and completely satisfied. It, it didn't happen overnight. You don't learn how to play the piano overnight. You don't learn how to be a surgeon overnight. It's something that takes practice and, and, and takes a period of time. And so Paul is saying that same thing towards the mindset that he has as he's in prison. And so as we close, as we put ourselves in the situation that Paul is and think about what, where would my mind be like, think about the fact that he has gone through so much to get to that point. Many of you watching this today have gone through many, many things. And you've learned from those things. And so as we, as we close, as we, as we think about everything that we've, we've talked about, may we just think about our situation today. Maybe we think about where we are and, and maybe even where we've been. There's a lot happening today, whether it's riots, whether it's COVID, whether it's masks, whether it's having to watch church online and meet together like this. There's a lot going on. But you know what? Can we say what Paul is saying here. I have learned. I have learned. Can we use these things as teachable moments, as opportunities to learn, to grow, so that one day we can be gospel-focused, gospel-centered, kingdom-focused, and completely satisfied. And so I just want to read these few questions, and you can talk about them with your, with your family. And you can also find these on, online if you haven't already. What has God been using as a teachable moment for you during this time? I'll read it again. What has God been using as a teachable moment for you during this time? It could be anything. Second question. 
Who in your church family has encouraged you by being relationally driven, mission-minded, or abundantly generous? And would you let them know the impact that they've made? And then the last question here. How have you found ways to share your faith in the midst of your situation? Again, there's a lot, a lot of things going on. But may we use them as teachable moments. We're, we're going to spend some time this week. The kids are going through VBS and we're going to see that Jesus' power pulls us through. And, and really, that's a given. I know Jesus' power is going to pull us through. I, I don't lose any sleep over that. But as He pulls us through, may we not just look at this as a hurdle to go over, but may we look at this as something that God is taking us through to teach us something. And so let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I do just want to thank You for this day and thank You for this opportunity that we've had to spend in Your Word. Lord, may what I say not be simply what I say, but may it come back to Your Word and may it bring people's attention back to Your Word. God, give each member of Ebenezer Baptist Church the strength to focus on You. To have the Gospel in mind during this time. To look forward to Your your coming kingdom. And to be completely satisfied in You. Lord, it's in Your Son's name I pray. Amen. We welcome you to join us next Sunday for our weekly worship service. If you have found this resource helpful, please do share it with others and check out our other ministries at ebcconnect.org.